620 live so that we may all speak boldly for god is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints that is first corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 as we wind up our study of i say study but the past several weeks of going over stress and what the bible has to say about it you know i want to define what the actual term confusion means it's a lack of understanding or a feeling of uncertainty and here's the the latin of it because i wanted to be really cool and say that i could speak latin um, it's confundo, and that kind of sounds like an, an ice cream, you know, <laughs> but it, it means, you know, confusion, mixed up, um, blend, pour together, disorder, or embroil, you know, and all of those actually fit the term or the definition of confusion perfectly. I would be willing to say that all of us have felt confused or, you know, mixed up or have been embroiled in something in our lifetimes. You know, there's there's no shame to, you know, having been involved in something like this because with the world the way that it is and Satan being the ruler of this world, confusion is all around us. And confusion will add to stress. Confusion will add to, you know, a feeling of uncertainty. And I want to point out here something that we should all know, but I think perhaps we forget from time to time is the fact that God is never confused. But also, God never confuses people. Jesus is never confused, and likewise, Jesus never confuses people. The Holy Spirit is never confused, and likewise, with him as well, the Holy Spirit never confuses other people. In fact, if you'll remember, in the Bible, it tells us that the Holy Spirit is sent here to be our helper. A helper, when they're following the Spirit of God and the will of God, which is what the Holy Spirit would do because he's sent here to us to be a helper from God, because he is God as well, one of the trying God heads, he's not going to seek to confuse us. Then how is it that Christians do get confused? It's because the human in us, the flesh, as Paul would call it, allows things to get in our way, allows obstacles to come into our walk with Jesus, our Christian walk, and that therefore causes confusion, turmoil, mixed feelings, mixed emotions, and ultimately stress in all of those things. And I want to 
get you to look back at um, the first book in the Bible in Genesis where Satan has been confusing us since the Garden of Eden. Now, here is the verse that I want to go over. It's Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan here, said unto the woman, Hath God said that ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now that's Genesis, like I said, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Do you see what Satan is doing there? He's Adam and Eve were living in utopia, in the perfect possible place. Nothing was amiss, nothing was going wrong, nothing was bad. They were eating, they were, you know, walking and enjoying life. They were in communion with God. I mean, like I said, people want utopia. That was utopia. They they were full of bliss. And now Satan enters the picture. And he sows as farmers do, he sows a single seed of doubt. Now, I'm not saying that farmers are Satan, but I'm saying as they plant seeds to harvest and for things to grow, that's what Satan did here. You see, he planted that seed of doubt. Like, did God say you couldn't eat of every tree? Did he say that you couldn't eat of that tree? Did he say that, you know, this and that? You know, why can't you eat from that tree? Oh, you know, Satan is manipulating words as he still does today to get what he wants. You know, people say, and, and I've heard other people say this, that Satan has changed his tactics over the years and, and does things differently. I tend to disagree with that because this method of being subtle, of sweet-talking, of sowing a seed of doubt is the most tried and true method. It's the most powerful weapon in his arsenal. You know, he can, all he has to do is say one thing and make you doubt, make you second guess and there you are, putty in his hands. And then, you know, unless you get out of his hands, he has you. Once he has you, there's no need for him to do anything else. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to manipulate people. And, you know, to be honest, looking at the world today where, you know, men believe there can be women yeah, I think he's doing a pretty good job of confusing. You know, he's not only confusing person by person, but he is confusing the entire world. That's over 7 billion people. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Now let's get to Eve's response here. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, 
lest ye die. And that's Genesis chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. And, you know, Eve right there, she knows what she's doing. She has told Satan that they're not supposed to to eat of that specific tree. She has told him what God has told her, the orders, the commandments, the instructions that God Almighty gave to her and to Adam. You can eat anything in this garden, but do not touch and do not eat of this tree. You know, that's a lot like us in in our lives that... We'll do what we're told up to a point. You know, somebody will give us instructions. Well, we try to go off script. It's whenever we go off script that we get in a lot of trouble. It's whenever we go off script that we get out of God's will. And you can see right here in these two verses, in, you know, verse 2 and 3, that Eve is already kind of thinking about that because she came with the response of what God said don't do, of what they can do and what they can't do. Now let's see how Satan continues what he's doing here by planting this seed of doubt. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And that's Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Do you see here in these five verses how Satan has entered into the picture already started sneaking in his seed of doubt to Eve and he goes here in verses 4 and 5 and sinks the point home. He hooks the fish Eve. He hooks her. He has that seed planted and he's getting ready to harvest it. And Satan has done this for forever. He, does, he, he did it then. He got Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden. He introduced lots of stuff that we'll get to. And he is still doing it today. Can Satan read minds? No, he cannot. But what he can do is watch us and know what our tendencies are. And what does Satan do? Satan plays on those tendencies. He knows how to use them. He knows what he's doing. He knows what will hook us. Just like, take this for instance, you know, trying to lose weight. You know, you can let yourself get extremely hungry and then somebody offers to bring you, you know, uh, or carry out to an all-you-can-eat meal. And you totally blow your diet right there. And that has a tendency sometimes to snowball effect there and continue rolling and rolling until you've gained so much weight that you can't even remember what your weight was before you started your diet. Now, look at here. We, we know that Eve went on to eat the fruit. Some say it's apple, you know. 
the actual what type of fruit does not matter. She went on to eat the fruit. Now, I want to point out that that act in itself did not condemn us. It did not kick us out or kick them out of the garden. Not her doing it specifically. But what she did was she went on and gave some of the fruit to Adam. And Adam ate it. Adam did not introduce confusion. That was on Satan. But Adam allowed it in. And until that point, there was no confusion in the garden. You know, until then, it was like I said earlier, it was straight up utopia. It was perfect. It was blissful. It was, you know, gorgeous. But Satan started that seed. He carried the fruit to Adam, and Adam ate it. And once Adam bit into the apple and ate it, that's when it all started going downhill. That is when sin had entered the world because they went directly against what God said. God said, do not touch it, do not eat from it, do not eat from it, do not touch it. Everything else in this garden you can have, but not that tree. That's what these two did. They went to the one thing that God said, do not go to. Just like children in today's world and ever since you know i was little you tell a child or a kid not to do something that's the first thing they're going to go do because sin has entered the world and they're going to disobey that's what we see here whenever like i said satan planted that seed and it was all brought back around and sin adam allowed sin to enter the world because he bit into the apple Satan's first victory came as soon as Adam crunched into that fruit. But you know, it came at a major cost to him because the serpent from there forth was cursed. I was trying to think of the sea where there was cursed to crawl around on the ground, on his belly. You know, there's churches all across the world but I, I know more about churches in America, and I don't know as much as I should because there's so many different ones. But churches across America are full of confusion. I'm not saying every church is, but a lot of them are. They show confusion. They fuss. They fight. There's turmoil in business meetings. There's turmoil in, you know, in, in the in the services because God's not a part of them. You know, whether they fight over the color of the carpet, the color of the padding in the pew, the color of the wall, whether to have stained glass windows or plain windows for the windows to open, for the windows to stay closed, or whatever the case is, they fight over stuff because God is not in their midst. They find little things to be nitpicky about because they want to fuss and fight. Now, I'm not saying that a healthy disagreement is anything, that there's anything wrong with that, because a healthy disagreement, you know, or conversation or discussion, whatever word you want to put on it there, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it can help us learn different points of view and things along that line. But, you know, 
I want to point out this here that churches can also be just buildings. Churches can be buildings where people meet. Uh, you know, we call them like social gathering places mostly. You know, but a true church is the people. They are the people that gather to worship Jesus. You know, we we often think that churches are the buildings where people gather to worship, but the actual church in itself is the people. Remember where two or more gathered, he will be with us also, meaning Jesus will be with us. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that churches can't be that way, but what I am saying here, and hopefully I'm not, I'm not confusing you here, is that buildings are just buildings. What makes them a church is the people worshiping Jesus inside of it. You know, and going back to saying that a healthy discussion is fine, and there's, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But whenever it turns into pandemonium, that, my friends, is anything but fine. That's what Satan wants because he is the author of confusion, which, you know, again, leads to stress. And a lot of churches have split because of that. And a lot of churches have even closed down because of that. But I want to point out again that God never once seeks to sow confusion or turmoil. In fact, he is the God of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, not the Prince of Confusion. You know, Satan is the Prince of Lies. Jesus is the Prince of Truth and Peace. Satan is the prince of lies, confusion, turmoil. He does this, the total opposite of Jesus. You know, there has been several members of of the church who have left, you know, worship because of things like this, and they have left permanently, which makes you wonder if they were in the right place to begin with. I'm not saying that Christians need to stay where there's turmoil and, you know, pandemonium and things like that. But what I'm saying, if that church is not for you, then you need to ask God to lead you where he wants you to be. Because if there's turmoil and confusion, it's obviously God does not want you to be there. You know, we need to seek where he wants us. But unfortunately... Some people have left the worship and never returned. You know, some of them returned later. Some of them never return at all. And it all goes back to what Satan has planted, watered, nourished, and caused to expand. Let's let's look at um you know something that you may not think about a whole lot, and that is Joseph. Let's see what Joseph has to say about it. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. And that's Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And Joseph is talking to his brothers who had sold him in to slavery several, several years before this took place. 
Now, Joseph was, you know, meaning that, you know, they did all that because it was in God's plan for him to save the, you know, his brothers and their children, the Israelite people, in other words. But with Joseph and Jesus actually paralleling each other so much, I think it goes a bit further. You know, they have so much in common. I think that Joseph was also speaking to us as well because it was saving not only those people who were Israelites, but also the Egyptian people and I'm sure other people around there and we're all descended from these people. You know, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily a descendant of an Egyptian, but Joseph working and following God's instruction and all that he went through saved all the people around that region due to him listening to God and following God's direction. Now, like I said, Joseph and Jesus have a lot in common and they parallel each other a lot. God took what Satan did and he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, to save us from eternal death, eternal damnation. You know, he turned our guaranteed eternal death and our guaranteed torment and eternal damnation 180 degrees to hope for our eternal life to be with him when all we have to do is to believe in Jesus as our Savior. Stress, as we've heard here and I've, I've repeated several times, comes from confusion. The uncertainty of what to do. But I ask you, I beg you, and I pray that you don't let Satan win. That instead, you pray to God for clarity. And I want to, you know, do this in closing to hammer the point in to pray that we need to open our eyes so that we may wondrous things of God's law. Now, that's not exactly how it's written down because, you know, I didn't hear it perfectly as I was trying to read there. But it's Psalm 119, verse 18. We need to pray for God to give us clarity and instruction on what to do. We've grown over stress, how to help remove it from our lives. I thank you for listening. I thank you for hopefully learning something as we go, went along with this. And as I come to the close here, I ask that you please bow your head and, and pray with me while I pray. Lord God, Lord God, this, this world is so full of stress and confusion. Lord, with men believing that you made a mistake and that they should be women. and Lord, 
that's nothing but Satan. That's nothing but Satan having planted that seed of doubt. Because God, we know that you are holy. You are perfect. And Lord, that you make no mistakes. Lord, we know that you do not sow confusion, but instead that you are the author of peace, of love, Lord, of grace and of mercy. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to help us, to give us that hope of eternal life, to give us a way to heaven for that eternal life, and Lord, to to defeat Satan in the end. The author of confusion is not going to win. The author of confusion, the author of lies, is not going to win because the Prince of Peace and the God of our Savior Jesus Christ is going to be victorious. And we know that we're going to live in a perfect city with no sin, with no confusion, with no turmoil, with only full-on devoted worship to you for all of eternity. Jesus, I pray that if there's anyone that's hearing this, that comes across this and listens to this, that, Lord, if they're not saved, that they will come to know you as their Lord and Savior before the end of the day, before the end of this podcast, Lord. Just move in this podcast, move in them, and Lord, just help them. Show them the way. And Lord, I pray that if anyone is listening to this that is confused and is in turmoil, is is amongst those that are sowing confusion and things like that, Lord, that you will help them, that you will guide them out of there, Lord, that they will seek your face and your clarity, Lord. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you do for us, for all that you mean to us, and for all that you bless us with. And Lord, it is in your precious and unmatched name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I'd like to take this time to invite you to Sparks First Baptist Church in Sparks, Georgia. Sunday services begin at 9.30 a.m. with Sunday School, followed by morning worship service at 10.30 a.m., An evening service starts at 6 p.m. Wednesday services start at 7 p.m. And you can find these services, if you're unable to attend, on the Sparks First Baptist Church Facebook page. We would love to have you join us. Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast. You know, it means a lot to me. I just ask that you please like, share, rate, review, and if you want to keep up with each and every one of the podcasts, be sure to subscribe as well. You can visit us on the web at www.620lifepodcast.com. Again, that's www.620lifepodcast.com.